welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Hello, welcome to the show. How are you this afternoon? Hi, I'm doing fairly well myself. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's finally warming up in Boston, and I'm very excited about that. I know. I like almost started sweating a little bit waiting uh, outside this morning for my Uber to pick me up. Yeah? Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. How Direct was... sunlight will do that to you. <laughs> I was going to say, how have things in New York been this season? Um, it's really weird because it'll start warming up, but then it'll be like really cloudy and gloomy all day. So, because mm-hmm. it's like threatening to rain. Um, mm-hmm. so today was actually quite gorgeous, and I'll probably go for a walk after this. Awesome. All right. Well, let's let's keep going with that one. So, you have a very interesting background, and especially what you're doing now. But if somebody were to come come up to you on the street today and ask you how you describe yourself and what you do, how would you answer that? Um, I would probably say, you know, I would say, oh, I am a software developer uh, with a flair for the dramatic. Um, <laughs> a dramatic, but not a dramatic software developer. No, I mean, okay, I do celebrate quite physically when I get my code to run, especially mm-hmm. if it's in particularly annoying. And like when when it's not running, it's a personal attack and I let everyone know. But I wouldn't say that I'm a dramatic software developer. <laughs> <laughs> Although I sit by a lot of developers and they a lot of the times they have a very stoic type of expression on their face. So I think any type of expression may be more on the dramatic <laughs> side. So it, it probably would be appreciated too. <laughs> Probably. I do bring a lot of uh, life to any team that I'm on. (laughs) So let's start then from the beginning part, because you're a classically trained actress. What first got you interested in acting? What didn't? Um, I well, I actually started at the age of two and a half. I was like the youngest student at, at this like local dance studio. Um. But I was potty trained, so I was allowed to join. <laughs> I like how that's – I mean, it makes sense. That's a good requirement to have. I'm just going to say the theme of my life is that I learn quickly, and it started with the toilet. <laughs> it started with the toilet. I was toilet trained, uh, <laughs> and it let me in. Okay, I like where this is going. <laughs> um, so I always did that, and it was really cool because uh, my mom sat through, like, one performance – and from then on, she was always stage right, helping backstage because she just was uninterested watching the show. She wanted to be part of it, too. Mm-hmm. And actually, both of my parents got involved. So performing was always um, a huge aspect of my life. Um, my mom says that when we went to, like, fairs or, like, Disneyland, she'd have to hold on to me because I'd always try to, like, jump in and join parades and stuff. Um, <laughs> but... Um, when I was in high school and I'm a junior and everyone's applying for 
for colleges and stuff, and um, I was trying to really think, like, what do I, I don't, I, I was very idealistic, and I was like, money doesn't matter at all. It's all about happiness, mm-hmm. um, which, which to a degree, yes, but, like, when you don't have money, it is um, trickier to figure and navigate the whole happiness thing. But anyway, I digress. Um, I, I, I did really well in a couple subjects in school, but it all seemed like it would be a boring lifestyle. I honestly had no idea what actual careers were like. So everything was an office job and it all sounded terrible. Um, so I decided to be an actor, um, and I went to a local state school because I was going to be an actor and I didn't want to take on a lot of debt. Um, yeah. And it was something that didn't come to me as naturally as academia. Um, like in that I, I was a good dancer, but I was always like when I did, um, like musical theater or like performances, I was always a, um, actor, like a a dancer who could act and I'd always get like featured dancing roles, but I didn't get to act as much. And I think that gave me like a huge underdog feeling. Um, and then, yeah. And then in my dance classes, it started turning into, I was the dancer who could act. So I got all the acting heavy and less dancing heavy roles. Mm -hmm. So it was like incredibly frustrating on both sides, but I was like, I'm going to pick one. I'm going to stick to it. Um, and in the acting world, I always felt like an underdog. Um, and I think there was like a huge motivation for me to like get good at it because I thought no one believes in me. <laughs> so I'm going to prove them all wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I, mean, I genuinely loved acting. Um, and when I moved to New York, uh, cause I thought I would do theater. Um, and one of the first classes I took was, um, a network at a networking studio. Cause that's like the only way for a lot of actors to meet people who can actually give them jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I paid to go to a networking studio <laughs> and I actually got, um, more attention from the film directors. Um, and they said, you know, like you look great on camera and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, Oh great. Then I'm a film actor because mm-hmm. that pays better anyway. <laughs> um, it's less of a time commitment and it pays better. That's and true. so I started, yeah, and I started studying full time. Well, and by full time, I mean like weekly and sometimes twice a week. Mm-hmm. But it felt like full time um, at an on camera studio in the city. Um, and it's a really, it was a really amazing studio. Um, it was, it was huge for LGBT actors. Although when I joined, I, had no idea (laughs) I wasn't very in touch with myself but Mm -hmm. like and it's not exclusive but there was like um the the instructor there Brad Calcaterra is um had uh felt a need for a space for LGBT actors to Mm -hmm. really delve into that aspect of the life so he'd make classes you know geared towards that and then also just regular acting classes um and working with him he was very good at like he could tell when you were dancing around something or like when you weren't talking about the real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one time we were doing a warm up and he's like, stop. He's like, what is your pain with food? And I like immediately started weeping. It was like he hit the one spot where I just like broke down crying. He he knew what people weren't telling, but was a huge motivation behind who they are or why they're making the decisions and whether it's healthy or not for them. And so working in that 
aspect as an actor, I really started looking into myself a lot. And it's part of the reason why I was able to come out to myself, much less the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause I'd never even thought of that. I was just like, I'd grown up such a people pleaser that mm -hmm. I rarely thought to stop and think, what do I want? Um, and so that went on to translate in my um, life. I, I was pursuing a career as an actor. Um, I was part of the union, but it's such a cutthroat industry. And like I would book if I was lucky two or three like actual acting things a year. And then I had to supplement myself by like being a background actor or being a stand in um, for, you know, uh, on sets, which is like you're never on camera. You stand in when the actors have to like when they're like changing the lights or they're changing the camera angle. And so the actors who actually say the lines can like go get a snack from craft services and you stand there so that they can focus the lights on you. <laughs> sure. sure. Uh, like a, a living prop. Yeah. 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 Oh, mm -hmm. I mean, background acting and standing, it's all props that move. Right. Um, but you're paid a living wage when you can book that as well. It's very seasonal. So I was also serving and I, you know, was like living with multiple roommates and I was always scared to go on vacation because one, did I know that I would work enough to continue to pay my bills if I did that? Also, what if an opportunity came up that I couldn't take and mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Um, and I, I was really lucky. My girlfriend, she would never do it really she was never rude about it, but it was just, she would notice like if I came back from visiting my family, I'd be kind of in this weird headspace for a while. And so she started asking me like, do you want to go back home? Do you want to like, what is it? Um, Cause I'm from California. Um, I don't know if I established that before. So she was just like, do you, is it that like what's going on? And she dropped to me very kindly once, like, maybe you're not happy being an actor. And like, at first I was like, no, how can you say that? Like, I love acting. Like I'm a struggling artist. Like, you know, this is how the game is. Like you just have to survive like, <laughs> for your whole life. It's got to keep going. And then right. maybe one day. And she was just like, um, okay, okay. I'm not like fighting you. And I'm not like saying that you're wrong. Like, and I'm supporting you no matter what. I just was wondering, maybe that's what it is. But then one day I was like home and I like woke up and I was just like, it was April of last year. And I said, mm -hmm. I don't like my life. Like on a day to day, like I, this is not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I want my own kitchen with my own cooking supplies where like people aren't going to break it. You know, it's just me. <laughs> just small things my, like that. My Like small little things, yeah. you know, like. Uh, and, and yeah, it was just all kind of, like, I want to be able to keep my stuff like in the entire apartment and not just like all in my little room and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> and go on vacation. Like, and I want to like eat brunch instead of serve brunch. <laughs> like that <laughs> yes. would be really nice. That would be really, really sweet. So, um, I, I was like, all right, so if I go back to school, what can I do? Like, I mean, I had all these different skill sets, but I'd be like starting over and I'd have to get accepted into a school. It might not be in New York. Like I might have to like relocate and there's all that debt. And that's, you know, two to four years of extra studying. And like, what, what would I even do? Like take on that debt. It's not a guarantee to have a job from that. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, wait, oh, so, so also in this moment, were yeah, you, yeah. 
was going back to school to get your MFA and then pursue what a lot of other artists and, and do, which is like become a professor and so that you can support yourself with your professor job and then also act on the side. Was that something you were you were thinking about or contemplating or you're like, no, I'm, I'm definitely done with this business? That okay, so that was something that I used to think about and okay. something that like my mom was always like, Well, what about getting an MFA so that you can like have a steady job? <laughs> um I used to think about that, but I just I see the thing is is like even if you have an MFA you could teach, but like to get uh, any you, you you usually have to have a career also to back that. Not that I didn't have like a terrible career, but like mm-hmm there's so much luck involved just in even booking things. Um, so that you have an impressive resume and like to be in a position where you can afford to do that. It was just not something that I, you know, that you could be that available to audition for that many things um, or like drop whatever you're doing and go do that. Like I was never financially in a position where that was an option. I always had to weigh the risks of everything that I was doing um, and how much it would cost me. So when I decided to go back to school, it was like a career change. Like, okay, if I'm going to start over at the age of, I want to say 30. I've been saying 30 for a year. The fact is I don't turn 30 until July. But <laughs> I, I like never wanted to go through that, like freak out of like, oh my God, I'm 30. So I just kept saying I was 30 for the entire year of 29. Nice. That's, you know, that's one way to approach that. I, I have definitely heard too many people jump forward, but hey, if that works, that works. It's it's and it's a great excuse when your friends are like, "Hey, you want to do this event?" I'm like, "Yeah," and they're like, "Great, we're starting at 10." I was like, "I'm 30." <laughs> Shannon, you're 29. I don't care. I'm 30. So that means that you could you're you're in bed by 10. Is that what that means? No, but I wanted to at least have my pajamas on. <laughs> I I'm able to have plenty of fun before nine o'clock. Before nine it's o'clock. like it's. It's a possibility that you can have fun before nine o'clock. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. I know it's scandalous, but (laughs) I like to have my fun in the late evening. And um... yeah, I know, I know. I'm like, I'm pushing, I'm pushing the limit here, but that's what artists do. So (laughs) exactly, living on the edge of the fun. (laughs) But so wait, yeah. So so I'm fascinated the fact that you woke up like one morning and then suddenly had this like I need a change and the change has to be me right now what was was there something that happened the night before or was just a culmination of your years in or your 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 years in New York where it's like I'm done I don't want to do this anymore yeah I will I mean so so part of the actor's existence is this a roller coaster of emotions where like you're feeling good about everything you're doing and you're feeling like you're putting in all this great work and then all of a sudden you just slip into a depression mm-hmm. and you know and you just you question everything and so that's like I would regularly like question why am I doing this and I mean and there were phases like one time I realized I was doing it as I mentioned before, to prove it to these people who underestimated me basically my whole life in many ways, because I was never felt that cool. And I never understood like how popularity works and why certain people were popular and other people weren't. And like, just because I'm like, I didn't even care about being popular. I was just like, just hang out with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
But I realized that a lot of my motivation was to like prove it to those people. So like, I don't know if they like Googled me or like stalked me on Facebook, they would be jealous or Mm -hmm. something. I don't know. And then I realized I don't, I don't care about these people. I never go to their Facebooks to see what their life is like because I I don't, why should I care what they think about me at all? So I'm like, all right, if I'm going to do this, it has to be for me. And I do love acting. So I, you know, I did it for the love of acting for a while, but I think I just had many moments over years and it all kind of culminated on that morning where it just like sunk in and I just didn't fight it at all and accepted it that like my day to day life as an actor uh, was not congruent with who I am as a person. It wasn't, it wasn't acting in and of itself. Like I love acting and I trained really hard and I got my craft up, you know, and like I, I, I felt very confident in my skill set as an actor to the point where like I would trust it, which was a huge thing. Um, so many actors are, are talented, but they're so nervous and they don't trust their own skill set that they, that's why they're, you know, will fumble auditions or like come across really, really stiff. And it's really when you trust your skill set that you're able to like not care if it's right or wrong. Like, Cause there is really no like hard set right or wrong. There's different approaches. And like, if someone's like, Hey, maybe go this direction and you're like, all right. And then you play with it that direction. And it's, mm-hmm. it's all about kind of like how you play with it. And, um, and when I learned to trust my skill set, my, like I, the responses I got in my acting and like when it was the right project, I would book and people would just love my work, but I only got to do that if I was lucky two or three times a year and the rest of the year um, I'm playing candy crush on my phone while I submit for background gigs or I'm on a background gig and I'm playing candy crush on my phone, waiting for them to need us to walk from point A to point B over and over again. Um, So you're good at candy crush. I am embarrassingly good at candy crush. Um, (laughs) I think I'm at level like Thirteen fifty. I don't know what that means, but that sounds impressive. It's it means that I'm a sad human being who <laughs> is awesome at Candy Crush. It's really awesome at one particular yeah. like swapping game in particular. But the morning that I decided to to change careers, I was like, all right, if I'm gonna change a career, it needs to be in a field where there's high demand for women. So mm-hmm. that's STEM. I could totally do that. I was good at math. Like science was always interesting to me. My dad, who is, um, he is a computer engineer on the hardware side, Mm -hmm. um, has always told me that I had the mind of an engineer. And then I'd be like, well, dad, you're really good at acting when you help out my dance studio. And he's like, fine. Um, (laughs) well played. (laughs) All right. Um, but yeah. And then, um, there was another friend of mine who I was following on Instagram and we were like mutual, like we were like friend of friends who had seen each other at a, like an event once or twice. Um, and you've interviewed her, Chloe Condon. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was out in San Francisco and I thought she was like killing it. Cause she was like booking leads out in San Francisco, which is like a tiny, there's only a couple venues. So the fact that she's like booking all these leads is like great. Um, so I thought she was doing really well but then I start seeing her posting things about like studying for this coding test and like holding up a certificate with her graduating class and then she's in Thailand giving talks with her partner and I'm like what is what happened to your life (laughs) (laughs) um 
so I, I reached out, I reached out to my little brother who he's a game developer mm-hmm. and I asked him cause I was like, you know, I heard that there's always like a need for coders. Um, and I know that it's not like something that works for everyone, but I was thinking that maybe I would try that out cause I really want to shift gears with my life. And he was like, Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. And he sent me, um, a free online tutorial. Um, it was, like Khan Academy's like animation with JavaScript. So I was Mm -hmm. like, I made, I remember the moment I made the little ellipse that was supposed to represent a spaceship go from one corner of the screen to the other corner of the screen. And I like, I I was sipping a Bloody Mary at like this bar up the street. And I was like, yes, I'm a God. (laughs) I'm not dramatic at all. Um, Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) But he was like, it was this moment where, like, someone like me, like, I, I, two or three years, no, 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 it was like three years ago, I discovered that I have ADD mm-hmm. because um, my older brother has, like, been, like, he has ADD and he's been treated for it his whole life. And I was just, like, absent minded. And my mom used to say, if your head isn't attached, you'd forget it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I really learned that I had ADD because uh, we had, it was like back to back, like my roommate's birthday party and then pride in New York was the next day. And we, um, so we went out for his birthday and then I was getting up and getting ready for pride. And I was like dying because we had like three hours of sleep and his friend was like, here, take an Adderall. And I was just like, what's this going to do to me? And my best friend was like, Oh my God, you're going to be so annoying, but it'll be fun. <laughs> and I, and I, and I took it. And the whole day, I was just like, oh, this is so lovely. I'm having a great time with you guys. I'm able to focus, and it's very clear now. I feel very calm. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm having a lovely afternoon. I remember (laughs) the girl I was dating at the time was, like, really mad at me for something and, like, wanted to pick a fight with me. And I just was, like, calmly like, no, that's kind of irrational. Like, I was very clear (laughs) with you. Wow. The next day, I called my the next day I called my mom and I was like, I had ADD and you never treated me for it. She goes, you did well in school. Like, why would I care? <laughs> like, I, mean, I didn't need to medicate you. You were fine. Yeah. So anyway, um, but the reason why that was significant to me is because I found something that I could like focus on for hours. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I will solve this algorithm. And, um, and it was really engaging. And, and so I reached out to Chloe and I was like, Hey, I think I really want to do this. And she's like, that's amazing. Like super stoked. She's like the most supportive human being ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's doing really great things for women in this industry. But, um, she, um, told me about Grace Hopper in New York, which is a, a coding boot camp. Uh, that is part of Full Stack Academy. It's the same curriculum, but it's geared specifically towards women and non-binary individuals to um, help increase diversity within tech because the school recognized that there um, women and non-binary individuals in particular um, stopping their life to spend, to invest this money in a boot camp to like not work for three months and just study and then go on the job hunt um, in this brand new industry are they're usually going through a career change. So it's incredibly mm-hmm. risky to just drop everything and do that. Um, sometimes they have families or they take on more responsibility for the home life. 
Um, and so investing in that is really that, that time and money is, is really scary and it, and it can prevent a lot of people from taking the plunge. So they, um, they really wanted to, to do something to be part of the change and they created the Grace Hopper program, which has a really unique, uh, deferred tuition, um, portion. So basically like you put in your deposit before the program starts, but you don't start paying the school back for your tuition until after you secure a job. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah. It's really, really amazing. And it's a risk that they're taking on, but yeah. it was something that like regularly throughout the program as we're stressed out and freaking out because it's, it's, it's a lot and it feels very, very overwhelming until you really hit your stride. And even then there's times when like you just have a complete meltdown, but mm-hmm. always reminded, we would remind each other, like they are financially invested in us. They would not have admitted us if they did not believe that we will have careers as software mm-hmm. developers. Um, and so, yeah, so I studied a lot. I didn't get in my first time. Um, But then I did like a night course with them. Um, It was like for a month uh, just to get ramp up your JavaScript skills. And since I already studied like three other online tutorials, Mm -hmm. I was I was uh, much more prepared than a lot of people in the class. But what it gave me was an opportunity to like in the middle of a lecture, raise my hand and be like, but why? Like, why this situation? (laughs) And like... (laughs) And and I love it because like my brain to understand things wants to like put all the pieces together and understand like why it works the way that it works so that when I want to change it, all I have to do is like some fancy manipulation and I can bend it to my will. So mm-hmm. like that's how I like to understand things. <laughs> it's like the like you like to play in God, which is awesome. Yeah. With so with the uh with the entrance exam to get into this, what is that like? Okay, so Full Stack Academy has, like, it's the same entrance versus whether you're going into the regular immersive or the Grace Hopper program. Mm-hmm. But in order to guarantee that their students um, have the skill set to really undertake something that is that intense, they want you to have at least an intermediate level of JavaScript skills. Okay. Um, they used to do it in um, both Ruby. Well, the first cohort they did in uh, Ruby and then switched halfway through into JavaScript. But since you're also learning a full stack of technology and learning about like what a back, like how the back end works and like theories of design and like middleware. Like the first time I introduced middleware, my mind like exploded. I was like not able to grasp what that was. Um, And you're learning everything so fast. I think in one week we went from learning like, what SQL is and how to use it to SQLize, which is a JavaScript framework for, Mm -hmm writing SQL in, in Node.js um, to express so that we could serve from our back. Like we learned like all of our backends set up in a week, less than a week, like just day after day after day, you learn all of these things and then you're tested on it. And then you're, you know, you have six weeks to learn the full stack and then six weeks to like build apps in group projects. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a lot, and um, I lost track of where I was going. Well, so during this, during this, the, your time <laughs> in this boot camp, did you ever say, I made a mistake, I don't want to be here anymore, or maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I don't understand what's going on, or question your involvement in this? Yeah, no, there, there would definitely be times when 
I I would be so frustrated because like maybe I'm working on like we used to have um, assessments that we could do over the weekends just to make sure that we're on track or like help us see the parts that we're not quite getting. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like, yes, we had it was only like five days a week, but like it really was like my whole life for three months. Like, um, but we would do them. I remember one time, like all the work that I did and it was like completely broken and I just started like crying in this coffee shop with my girlfriend because I was like had been we were like having like a work date at a cafe, um, and she like made me stop and like go for a walk. Um, and she's just like, "You're learning so much and you're doing like so many new things." Like, and I was just like, "I've been working on this for hours and like I'm gonna have to start all over again." And she's just like, "No, you're doing amazing things. Let's take a walk. Let's let's um." you know, just get your mind off of it and you can revisit it or, you know, like schedule something with one of the fellows who will help you out. And, um, and it, and it helped a lot, but it really, what would happen is I would just feel so overwhelmed that I would just like at, at how fast everything was happening mm-hmm. that I would just be like, I, I don't know. Can I, like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't know if I can grasp enough that it will, like, I will feel as in control as I like to feel mm-hmm. over this subject. Or if it will, like, I'll just, like, lose my way. But then, really, I would, I would remember that, like, what I was doing it for, I was doing it so that, like, I could go home more often. And I was doing it so that I could, you know, like, have my own apartment. And I was doing it so that I could, like, have something to do every day that was a challenge that, like, engaged me. That, like, so I'm not, I'm I'm doing it so I'm not spending my life submitting for gigs playing Candy Crush all day long. And, like, and, and honestly, I was doing it so that, like, my girlfriend and I could finally be in a position where, like, we can afford to have an apartment together. And, and I wanted to move forward with my life. And, um, and so I kind of, I would tell her this all the time. I'm like, I'm doing it for you. And she's like, no, you're doing it for you. And I'm like, no, but it makes me feel more motivated if I'm not doing it for myself and I'm doing it for someone else because I'm a like compulsive people pleaser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if someone else's feelings are on the line, I cannot give up. So <laughs> It's a very grand vision. I like that. <laughs> so, and then when that when that sunk in, I was just like, no, I will figure it out. Like, I have always been able to figure it out and, like, make it work, and I'm going to make it work now. Mm-hmm. And then I, I did. You know, I survived. It was over. It was 13 weeks, and it was over. Okay. So those 13 weeks were, were done, and then what happened? And then the job hunt hit. Oh, and how did that go? <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why was it awful? Well, it was in the middle of winter in New York. So let's just start with that. Like, yeah. um, So it was too like I I, I didn't have the funds to like go to a coffee shop every day. Like, even though that's not that much money, like I'm not the kind of person who feels comfortable buying one cup of coffee and never leaving. Like I have to continuously (laughs) like buy things from them. And like uh, just I so I would stay home under a heating blanket it was like me and my two cats and like just 
trying to connect with everyone on LinkedIn, trying to constantly like, like research the job postings and the companies and see if it's actually what I want to do and double check their glass door. And then like make all of my cover letters specific to that company. And then on top of that, like also go to meetups and network and like enhance my skill sets and then try to find time to do, um, coding projects on the side and like learn all these technologies that I'm seeing them require that, you know, didn't necessarily meet my whole stack and all kinds of things. And it was really overwhelming. And, and you're putting so much energy out there and barely getting anything back. Um, mm -hmm. Machines are kicking out your resume automatically. Um, people who like you meet at a meetup who like really like you and ask for your information, then tell you like, oh, no, we still need people with experience. Like I can't, you know, take on someone who hasn't had a job yet. And it's just, um, it's it's a lot and you you go through these periods where you feel like everything that you were taught was like a lie <laughs> um like Wait, everything no, being taught about what like so so in the program they have um like career uh success advisors mm -hmm. who so like in the last six weeks like in the beginning they kind of talk to you or they help you like get your linkedin profile up you know your resume like created and edited and formatted and and then we start doing like mock interviews and like they're trying to really prep you um on all of the ways that you could job hunt and the thing is is like they give you everything you can do so like i thought i had to do everything and i burnt out very quickly mm -hmm. like it was really hard and then i had to start picking the things that like i could do um so like I feel very uncomfortable. Like when I go to a meetup and like people are talking to each other, I will stand like in a corner with my beer by myself and like try to find the other human who is also doing the same and then be like, can we please pretend to be friends so I don't have to be awkward? Like, um, <laughs> I just, I just don't like going up to people and being like, hi, talk to me now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very, I'm a huge proponent of like, I like things to happen naturally, you know? So like if I sat down at a table and there are other people sitting at the table and then they started talking to me, that's fine. And like, that's actually probably one of my favorite ways to do it. But like at meetups, you know, sometimes it's just people standing around chairs and it, yeah, it, it was very weird right. for me at first. Um, so I also didn't like cold asking people to like meet me for coffee because I know that asking for coffees is like um, a huge thing and so many people are really cool about it. they're like yeah let's meet it but I I had like so many people just ignore me or people start talking to me but never follow through I literally one time showed up for a coffee that we scheduled the day before and the person did not show up Oh. message me I never heard from that person again yeah and so I just was like this is pointless because even if I do meet them for coffee like by the time they get to know me well enough to recommend me like that job is going to be gone and and I like yeah um so it just felt a little overwhelming um and I was also misunderstood they were like be careful of third-party recruiters and I didn't necessarily understand why um, and so I like turned down a couple third party recruiters until I finally talked to one of the career success people. I'm like, why am I turning these people down? Cause I remember you saying to like, be careful. And she was like, oh, some of them aren't, um, like aren't very legit, but other of them are, you just have to use your discretion. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and so actually for my job, I got scouted because I have an acting background and I'm a good communicator and like, mm -hmm. that's how I market myself. 
And um, the recruiter who reached out to me said, like, I've had success finding jobs for people, like, from your program who have, like, similar backgrounds, um, and I think you may like this position. He was he warned me. He was like, it's a little weird because it's not, like, normal coding where you're, like, writing JavaScript or whatever language you write in. Like, they have their mm -hmm. own platform, but you have to understand everything that's going on inside of an app because you're putting all the pieces together. And the way he explained it is like, you know, it's like, like they have software engineers who build like the Legos and then you are the builder who actually makes it into something. Mm -hmm. So they're making all the pieces for you to build with. Mm -hmm. And I was like hesitant because I didn't want to like lose my, all of that I had just learned. But also at this point I was like three months into the job hunt and like I was running out of my tax refunds and I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. Mm -hmm. And the more I talked to people and I like learned the culture, um, the company that I uh, now work for um, has been ranked, you know, like one of the most uh, like it's like one of the highest ranks ethically. Um, it's incredibly diverse. Uh, they have like such a huge culture of um communication and sharing of ideas and like they have told me multiple times like speak up we like we want to hear your ideas um and like i obviously am not at a loss for words ever but like when mm -hmm. i'm trying to figure a situation out i usually hold back until i can feel confident in what i'm saying but they're just like even if you are not confident like if you have a question it's probably because we didn't do a good job either explaining it or missing something that you're seeing so, like, even if you feel like it's a dumb question, like, please ask. And so since the company is so invested in its talent and it's the people to build this product, I, I felt attracted to giving them a try. Mm -hmm. And I would be able to be I wouldn't be like focused on like just front end or back end. like I would be building from like data models up into UI um, and take ownership over that process. And so um, I, I would um I know that in the future I would like to get into like dev advocacy and helping other developers like with representing my company's technology, um, like utilizing that. And I think that being part of the process of being on teams that build and like really having a holistic view of the whole picture is really valuable. And I thought that, you know, maybe working for a company like this would give me that, like being involved in the whole process so that like if a developer ever came to me in the future when I'm representing a specific technology, like ha we have a problem here. I'm like, oh, that sounds like it's specific to like this area of development mm -hmm. and like having a grasp on everything that's going on. So, uh, and the more I interviewed, the more I liked the people that uh, I was interviewing with. And actually my last interview, um, the manager who was interviewing me was actually out of the office that day because uh, he had to stay home um, sick. And so he interviewed me over like a video conferencing thing, but his camera wasn't turned on. Mm -hmm. So, so I, and they didn't know this. So like the people who'd interviewed me before left the conference room and like, so that he could like basically phone in with me and his video wasn't turned on. So it was just his voice and he could see the whole room and I couldn't see him at all but I could hear his voice and like there's a whiteboard behind me. And I, so I'm basically interviewing to this voice in an empty room. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and, and like, I'm really, really grateful that I have all my years of acting experience because like you are trained to just like go into a room and own it. And so mm -hmm. it's like, 
you know, you'll be auditioning with this scene that is like really intense between you and one other person who doesn't isn't actually there. It might be someone at like a folding table on the corner, just like staring at the paper, reading the lines. Mm-hmm. And then there's like anywhere from like <laughs> two to ten people behind on that table, just like watching you and taking notes and on their phone and eating lunch. And and you just kind of have to like deliver this authentic thing to these people in this like really random room. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> So I think my ability to just take a situation and just like, all right, just do my best in that situation. I felt really cool because I was like, am I still in the frame? Can you see me over here? Like, um, <laughs> like knowing to check for that stuff because I am so used to being on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then and I and uh, I got the job. And is, yeah. So that's amazing. Is, yeah, it was it was amazing. Like. I, I like I did the whole like I was scared to negotiate, but the offer they made me was like at the top of what I even hoped to to make. And so I like called my career success advisor. I'm like, I don't need to negotiate, do I? And she's like, no. And I was like, OK, cool, because uh, that's what I was like really nervous about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I accepted the offer. And then like a day later, I was hanging out with my girlfriend. We went out and celebrated at dinner and we got back to her place and she was like, I'm so proud of you. You did it. And I started bawling. And she was like, oh, my God, why are you crying? And I was like, I did it. And she's like, yeah, I know. And I was like, it was so hard. (laughs) It was like it was like months of just like, you can do this. You can handle this. Like, this is for a purpose. This is for a reason. And then I got the job and it was just like all of that just like hit me like all the work that I had put in and like how, how much I had just believed in myself. It really came down to, it's like you either have to choose to trust in your skill set and like Mm -hmm. your ability to handle this or give up, like Mm -hmm. trust in yourself or give up. And I continuously chose myself and like, I continually trusted that like I am capable enough to figure things out. Even if I don't see how right now, like Mm -hmm. I will figure it out step by step. And and I took it step by step and and I made it and it was really, really awesome. Yeah. So you're what's five weeks in now, is that correct? Yeah. So I've been at my job for five weeks five now. Weeks. So yeah. technically I'm fully onboarded, although I don't think you can get fully onboarded <laughs> into any company for like six months, but Yeah. Sounds, <laughs> that sounds about right. But yeah. in in what you've seen so far has the recruiter been correct? Like, has your background been an asset in what you've been doing so far? Yeah, I think it has in in many ways. Um, in main, like not even obvious ways at all. Like, I mean, there's obviously been times like we had to present our our capstone application or yeah apps that we had built and my program, and I was like like running, like helping my team memorize what they're going to say by doing these different memorization acting techniques that I did. Or like Mm -hmm. I gave a talk, um, for uh, a meetup, um, in New York, Angular NYC. And (laughs) I, I, it, it blew like, like my, it was a live coding thing, which I know not to do, but I had like saved all my stuff in live templates. And I was like as prepared as I could be. And it was going to be really, and everything I didn't plan for, like, (laughs) <laughs> blew up in my face so poorly and I just 
rolled with it and mm-hmm. kept trying to keep people entertained and engaged. And afterwards, everyone was like, that was so much fun. Like, thank you so much for such a fun talk. And I was like, literally nothing happened. Like, it all failed. So there was, like, no point to my talk other than, like, watching me fail with, like, with grace. Um, but things like that. But also, um, I think also as an actor, I have had to support myself being a server uh, mm-hmm. at restaurants. And that is an, a whole nother skill set of people and like anticipating problems and planning ahead and learning from your mistakes. So you don't have to deal with that again. And like multitasking and handling like 800 things going on. And like um, my company is still technically a startup, even though it's um, fairly established and fairly stable. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're, they're building out a product. So like teams will shift and the team that I got assigned on is shifting around. And, you know, I'm meeting with my next managers and they're like, sorry that it's so, you know, a little bit like chaotic and we don't know hundred percent where things are going. And I'm like, this is fine. Like I exist perfectly fine in chaos. Like, <laughs> don't worry. I just like, like, let me know, like, like the goals that we're going to reach and like what you expect from me in particular. And then I will find a way to excel in that one little task. Like I can do that. Um, yeah. And so I think being able to handle like chaos with mm-hmm. in, in stride has been a great, um, a great skill set that I didn't know I had developed over time. Mm-hmm. So now you're on the other side of things, mm-hmm. um, having gone through, let's say, the fire and <laughs> set this all up. Do you, looking back, do you regret going to school to be an actress first? Like, if you could do it all over again, would you still choose that same career path? Yeah. I mean, I I honestly would not know who I would be without that. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know... Um, all the training that I did as an actor was just as important for me as a person and my own personal development, because I came from, you know, um, I come from a very, um, more or less sheltered background. Um, my, my family is uh very like conservative Christian, like non-denominational. So they don't like follow any particular church. Um, but they, um, they, they sent me to like tiny private schools and I was always part of like a community, like a, like this little community of people. And I obviously had friends outside and I did dance and I did extracurriculars and, you know, I went to a public school for high school and, but I don't think that I had really given myself the time to know who I am and accept my, my weaknesses and my strengths and, um, allowed myself to uh, even know what I wanted really for myself over time. I, I, I wanted approval so badly from people because I didn't even know what I wanted. So if other people were approving of me, at least I knew I was doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think being an actor was really huge in my development as a human being. Um, and I think it gave me a thirst for, um, people who weren't who are different from me like people who come from different backgrounds from different parts of the world from different ideologies um they i'm really fascinated by who we are as humans and what brings us together and what makes us all unique and um 
I think that was part of my attraction to coming to New York City is like I knew I wouldn't be able to travel so I could be in a really diverse city. And um, since starting my new job, as I mentioned, my company is incredibly diverse. And so part of one of my favorite things is when, you know, my team, instead of actually getting work done, we start talking about like, um, what are the dating practices? Like, what do we call the different? We literally made like a, a table for like the different stages of dating, like across like our different backgrounds and like what we call it and like what the rules are for it and stuff like that. Um, and so, and, and then getting to make things with people who are so different from me, mm -hmm. um, and like having that common goal of like doing, solving problems together has been really, really enriching. And so even parts that are, you know, like other people find boring, like I'm finding delightful things every day, um, and, and really loving it. And I think that, um, I think that was the difference is like, I thought I would meet a lot of really unique people in acting and like, I kind of did. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same, um, because it's so much focused on like who you are and the scene work that you're doing right there. And like, maybe the reason why you're fighting the acting coach who's like trying to direct you to make the scene good. Um, and it's, it's less about like, who we are and connecting with people and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, if, yeah. So do you ever get approached by other uh, people for advice? And if not, what advice would you give, let's say another actress who is much like where you were kind of at the end of, of doing the, you know, the acting gigs and, and hitting their head against the wall and wants to make a change. Yeah. Um, I actually like, okay. So, this, I, I might take like an extra turn to get to answer you. And like, if I get sure. too distracted, put me back on track. Excellent. Um, cause what you said reminded me like, so part of the reason why I want to get into developer advocacy is because while I was learning this, it felt like I was intruding in this world where they expected you to already be like fully versed. And if you're like reading documentation, it's because you're learning like this new version, but it's a field that you've been in this whole time. So like, you know, everything they're talking about. And when you're first jumping in, you know, I can, I can juggle a couple technical terms that I don't know and kind of piece things together with, with the uh, context. But by the end of the article, like, especially with the ADD that I have, like I could not focus, like I could not like, hold everything and I just kind of zoned out. Um, and, um, and there was like all these holes missing where I couldn't figure out, but like, what about this situation? What about this situation? And like people who are used to coding already know that, but someone who's coming into it, like it's not obvious and there's nothing written down for them to see it and find it. And I would be on the phone with my dad and my little brother who were both learning to code for their own reasons. They were learning Python and I was learning JavaScript, but they, would start telling me things and I'm like, that is exactly what I'm going through now. And like, you're highly technical. So like, this isn't just a, like, I'm not smart enough or I'm like too late in the game. Like if you're also going through the exact same frustration I have. And it reminded me that like, it's made me very aware that like the, as tech continues to grow and the need for developers is only going to continue to grow because we are going to automate like everything in our lives and we're going to put tech everywhere and someone, you know, and mm -hmm. the need for developers is only going to grow. And I feel the way that the industry is set up right now is not necessarily very welcoming to all these new people who are, they're going to be coming from career changes. 
and to like fill those needs. And it's not set up for people to like dive in. And even if they're really intelligent. And so I got really frustrated and I wanted to make that transition easier for people. So like even learning new technology sometimes is really hard if the documentation is poor. And I think that's part of the reason why I was drawn to developer advocacy, because like if someone's learning a new technology and they have questions, like I'm the one in in advance being like, okay, that's not going to make sense to someone out of context and that's not going to make sense. And we should rewrite it this way. And like, this is a better way for someone to learn. Like I would want to learn this technology this way. I'm going to build this tutorial. Um, And I started having a passion for that. And so that's why I'm really attracted to having a career um, that will go into that as I feel more confident in my ability to um, help people out as well. Um, And that's why I still give talks, even though I've like only been coding for a year. And um, because there are people who are even at meetups, there are people who are less experienced than I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my talks apply to them. Um, So if anyone is like at the end of the rope, I wouldn't necessarily say like, you know, you have to go into coding, obviously, because everyone has different strengths. But I think it's really like, what are things that, what are things that you do every day? Like, so like I play Candy Crush and I, and I, I also play like Spider Solitaire. And like, I was like, the games that I like to play are always solving puzzles. Like clearly I like to solve puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and, and look around you as people are, are doing cool things in their lives and like, ask them like, do you mind, hey friend, um, <laughs> do you <laughs> mind um, if I ask you like kind of what your experience is like in this career? Um, and um, I do think that tech is a great way to go in because even if you're not um, wanting to be a coder, there are uh, plenty of roles in tech that aren't just the actual developers. Mm-hmm. Um, Chloe pointed out once, and she's 100% correct, that like if you're a stage manager or a stage manager, like uh, yeah, some background, um, you would be make a great product manager mm-hmm. or and project manager. Um, you would be great at that because you are used to organizing people and like having the whole picture and breaking it down into chunks and like, you know, like stage managers or, or 80s on if you're in film um, are the ones who are who are making the whole show run. And, you know, there is a need for great management in tech. There's such a need <laughs> for great management in tech because so often like developers are promoted into management. They have no management experience. Like that's it's the death of startups to like not have good managers. Um, so, you know, Maybe you're not interested in sitting at a computer all day, like writing code or solving puzzles, but like you're really good at being organized and like keeping other people organized. Um, and you know how to like motivate people or talk to people in a way that like, you know, keeps them on track, but also doesn't make them feel, um, micromanaged. Like mm-hmm. that's really important. Uh, and, and the tech world has an endless need for that. Um, so I would say, look at the things that you're good at or the things that you enjoy doing. And I am, there are roles out there. Like I just like, I don't know how people find their normal jobs. Like I've never (laughs) understood how people find normal jobs, like, and find careers in places where I'm like, how, like what made you like realize that you wanted to be a product owner at a tech company? Like, or how did you even know that was a thing? Like I, but 
I would say that like, if, especially if someone has gone through a career change, reach out to them and ask them about that. Cause maybe that career change isn't necessarily for you, but the process that they went through could be very similar to what you'll want to do. And mm-hmm. I would say like, really the decision maker for me to stop acting was I realized there were so many things I wanted for my life that I couldn't have because I was sacrificing them to pursue this one dream. So in reality, I had so many dreams that I was killing for one dream. And I was like, do I, do I give up on this one dream and have like eight (laughs) or do I hold stubbornly onto this one and just have a life that like, it's not what I want. Like I want to, you know, I want to go home. And like, if, if something comes up, I want to be able to go home and I want to be able to pay for it. I don't want my parents to have to buy my plane ticket home to Christmas every year. Like, (laughs) um, I want a savings so that like I'm 30, like I'm going to need to start seeing doctors more. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, and I want to be able to get good healthcare and not just like put up with stuff. Like, I was raised by two parents who worked in hospitals. I was used to like just going to the hospital for anything and everything. And like, Mm -hmm. just like, you know, and, and I looked around my life and it was just like, I'm putting up with so much and this isn't what I want. And what do I want for my life? Like aside from my career, what I want for my life. And when I saw the picture of what I wanted and realized that I would never have that if I held on to this one particular dream, it was a no brainer. Like, it wasn't giving me the joy and the happiness that I thought that I would have. And my life ended up being just as boring and monotonous as the office jobs that I was afraid of, you know, as a kid. And I was like, okay, so maybe the office thing is not what's actually scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the lifestyle that you trap yourself into. So mm-hmm. yeah. throughout your, your journey, what would you say has the, been the best advice you've ever received? Okay, so the one thing that, well, it's just the first thing that popped in my head, and which I mm-hmm. believe is always just, that's the answer. Um, so it was actually um, acting related. Mm-hmm. Um, right out of college, when I graduated, I got accepted into this summer training program in Connecticut um, at the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center. Mm-hmm. And they do, um, every summer, they workshop um plays and musicals they do a bunch of different things there's like puppetry and cabarets and stuff like that but the particular time period that i would be there for is when they are uh, workshopping broadway bound plays and broadway bound musicals and so we would take classes all day long but then we were also assigned each person was assigned to one show to shadow there was all the professionals like we would put on um a show once a week of like all the playwrights that were with us and our group would like write one X and then we would, you know, get cast in them and perform. And um, so I was around a lot of working professionals and I had really decided then that summer to, um, you know, like I had this opportunity and you know, like my parents, it's like the one schooling that I allowed my parents to pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents invested a lot of money and like I needed to make the most of this opportunity. So I was doing things like sitting at tables at, at, at lunch. Cause I'm like, worst case scenario, it's awkward. We don't really talk. They get up and leave. I finish my lunch. That's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, like I'm hanging out with a Broadway producer. Um, I'm hanging out with, you know, like all like this critic and it's re- it was, it was really fun. And it was the summer where I was just like, not, not allowed, like recognizing my fear and then not letting it hold me back. And 
so that was like the theme of that summer. And at the end of it, one of the playwrights who had come up to me one time in the cafeteria and was like, your work last night was really good. Like you're a really good physical actress. Um, she had written something like, it was just like a post on like Facebook. Cause I was obviously now stalking her. Um, and it said, fear is the arrow that points you in the direction that you need to go. Um, I'll say that again because I feel like I stumbled through it. But mm-hmm. fear is the arrow pointing you in the direction that you need to go. And that really stuck with me. Um, and to the point where, like, I have an arrow tattooed on my wrist now. Um, um, yeah. And yeah. it's something that has popped up over and over again in my life. And it um, actually um, has been this whole process um, popping up, obviously, over and over again. Because, like, it's scary. Like, um, I, I started my company and... Like they, you know, as I mentioned, like they have this language agnostic platform. And so I'm learning the intricacies of this platform. It's and and like they're developing it still as we're developing on it. So it's a lot like working with open source, but that is the only source as well um, that we're developing with. And, you know, my my teammates have been there for years, so they know all the intricacies and the hacks and the this and the that that that's going on. And and. Um, it was really easy for me to feel overwhelmed and I was like trusting myself and like, no, stick with it. Like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Like you're afraid of it, but like, that's not a bad thing. Being afraid of it is a good thing because it's hard and like hard things have higher rewards. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I'll hear like my manager be like, yeah, I heard from your buddy. Like that's what they call like the person who's responsible for making sure that you're onboarding efficiently and like, you know, meeting your needs if you have questions and stuff but like you know she said that you're doing amazing and you're picking everything up super fast and she's impressed with like your potential and then like like another man like um like the lead pm being like you know i've seen you like really working to speak up and to not be afraid because it's really easy to get intimidated by these people and like you know you i think you have a lot of great leadership potential and saying those things and i'm like oh Okay, cool. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Cause like I'm feeling like I'm like holding on to the like the motorcycle or like the roller coaster, or whatever, or, like mm-hmm. you know, for my life. But um, maybe it's all the the things that I have learned and all the skill sets I've developed over time culminating, and like my boot camp, like amping up my ability to learn things or to like not be afraid of not fully understanding something before still like trying it out and working with it so that you can learn from failure that way. Um, just allowing me to jump in and, and just, you know, tackle day by day, everything, and then stepping back and having people appreciate my work. It, it it's amazing. And it's because I'm not letting fear dictate what I'm doing. In fact, if it's scary, like I move forward it toward it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Shannon, thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with me. I really appreciate your time. If the listeners would like to contact you or see more and hear more about what you're working on, what's the best place they can do that at? Oh, okay. Well, I mean like I have Instagram and Twitter, obviously, mm-hmm. and I like have a medium blog, although like, I have very many ideas and I never write them all down. Um, <laughs> I will eventually start making that like a regular thing that I do. I have like two articles on there, but um, you can find me um, on Instagram. It's at symbol. <laughs> 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 it's S 
N as in Nancy, S as in Shannon, N as in Nancy, Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L, like Jenner, so S-N Kendall. Um, mm-hmm. And the Twitter is the same, but that apparently was already taken, so I put a little underscore, <laughs> so it's S-N Kendall underscore. Um, and, yeah, at my Medium blog, it's probably S-N Kendall or Shannon Kendall. <laughs> I'm very consistent. Like very I don't, consistent. I, I don't like want to learn a new like handle for anything. So. Yeah, <laughs> that makes perfect <laughs> sense. It's quite all right. So <laughs> I'm also gonna put the links in the show notes so people can click through. Okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Shannon. This has been awesome. You're very welcome. Let's go enjoy the sunshine. Okay. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to advanceyourart.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.